So Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 through 13. You remember where we left off here as we finished up chapter 2 uh, last week. So we had a king in Nebuchadnezzar who has brought all the Jewish people into captivity there in Babylon. Then he's troubled with this dream and he can't remember the dream and he doesn't know the interpretation of it. And then he summoned all the the wrong people, all the wizards and everything of the land, the, the wise men of Babylon, so they say. It just shows you the world's wisdom is not God's wisdom. Amen? And none of them could uh, come up with the interpretation. None of them could figure out what the dream was. And, and, uh, and so they tried to reason with the king that no man could do this. And the king put them all under condemnation for their uh, inability to reveal the secret of his dream to them. And then... As you know, Daniel uh, prayed. He had seen that there was something going on and he inquired of the issue and then he went and he prayed and God revealed the dream to him and then he went uh, before the executioner really and said, take me before the king. And he had courage and boldness because he knew the word of God and he could stand on the word of God. And so he went before the king and he revealed the matter and then they worshiped Daniel. And so he, he gives quite a, and we won't go back into everything that was involved with the image that, um, that Daniel told uh, the king was in his dream, but he was the head of gold, and then there was, and it resembled different nations, different kingdoms that we talked about. Um, and so that's where we left off. There was an image there, then, they, then he revealed it, and then the king worships Daniel. Now look at what happens here in the first 13 verses of Daniel chapter 3. This is rather Rather fascinating. Once again, you just see the uh, human nature, the carnal nature of man at its best. So Nebuchadnezzar, here in verse 1 of chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. The Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province, provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then an herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, Sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. 
Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. See that? They took a stand, didn't they? Uh, let's, let's just look through this again real quick, starting here in verse 1. So the first thing I want to point out here, the king made an image of gold. What a surprise, right? Um, I find this rather interesting here. So Nebuchadnezzar the king makes an image of gold right after Daniel reveals to him the image that was in his dream of him having a head of gold. Um, so immediately after Daniel's revelation about the statue, he goes and makes one of his own. Apparently, he didn't like the one that was in his dream. He had to try to make one that was better. Amen. That's what's happening here, right? He didn't want to just be the head of gold. He wanted to be all gold. He wanted to be the whole thing. He didn't want to be a part of the king. He didn't want to be the kingdom that's cut off by other kingdoms. You see what's happening here? The... The king is attempting to unify the religions of his empire. Uh, you see that in verse 2. So we see some motive here. The king uh, says, O people, nations, and languages. You know, he, he's, he, he's calling all the people together. He wants them all to worship the image that's set up. Um, then you had the herald that came and he says, O people, nations, languages, you must fall down and worship the image. Um, and you know what we're going to find here in the study, and we'll turn there here in a second. We're going to find that this is an act that's repeated by the Antichrist when we see the Antichrist as the last head of Gentile world dominion with his false prophet in Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18. Actually, hold your spot here in Daniel. Let's turn there real quick and see this in Revelation. So we had Nebuchadnezzar do it, and the act is repeated by an Antichrist. I think this is pretty fascinating, actually. Look at Revelation 13, and then look at verses 11 through 18. I'll give you one more second to get there. All right, in Revelation chapter 13, verses 11 through 18, let me read these for you. And I beheld in another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. I'm not going to get into trying to describe all the symbolism here that's in this chapter. I'm just going to make one point out of it, but just follow along. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. 
Uh, that's how we know we're looking at a false prophet. And, de- and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live. You see that? Make an image. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. You see the similarities there? The image is set up. The people are commanded to worship them. If you don't, you're dead. Right? Do it or else. Um, I think they call that a mandate today, right? A mandate. Do it or else. If you don't, if you don't follow the mandate, we're going to cut you off, right? You won't be able to buy, sell, or do anything. You can't go shopping. Got to follow the mandates. Um, I know I remember some very some mandates that's been given to people very recently in our in our world history. So, um, am I saying that that falls into what I'm saying is when governors and governments and people are causing mandates and telling people you're going to do it or else it just shows how close to the the man's conditioning is to being ready for something like an antichrist type of worship where we're, well we're just going to comply because we don't want any problems right um so it just shows you we are heading quickly down that path and 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 also other world events that are happening if if the Christian is not stirred with anticipation of the coming of Christ right now, I don't think you're living by a biblical worldview. I mean, we are very close to Christ's return, and a lot of this stuff is happening. We're just seeing the condition of man, but we're seeing this. So this do-it-or-else mandate, we see it here in Revelation. We've seen it there at Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, let, me, let me finish off here, verse 15. And he had power to give life into the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom, let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. That's that whole six, six, six thing, and... We know there's all kinds of opinions out there on what that means and what that's going to be. And uh, and you know what? It's not for the church. It's not for us to worry about it. It could be a lot of things. I think a lot of people have a lot of speculation on it and they're wrong. And uh, what I believe is that we're going to be raptured off of earth and we're not going to be here at this time. And so that number does not apply to us. And they, and, they, and some would say, well, preacher, there's this thing in there about saints being overcome by the saints. You have to understand that the word saints is both from the Jewish from the Hebrew language and from the Greek. And so you have to apply it um, to where it is uh, appropriate. And in that case, it's referring to, to the Jewish people. All right. So it's just uh, I'm not going to get into all that. But um, but I am thankful today that I'm not going to be here for an Antichrist. But it's so interesting to me how similar that event is to what we've seen here with Nebuchadnezzar and the image that's set up. And then we've seen in, in uh, there the conformity of the people. And look here in verse 7 of Daniel chapter 3. Therefore at that time when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, the languages, 
excuse me, fell down and worshipped the golden image. So they complied with that mandate. And out of fear, they knew Nebuchadnezzar was not a man to be messed with or reasoned with. They understood, you know, but it just shows you if you put enough fear in a person, you'd be surprised what they might conform with. Amen? You'd be surprised what they might conform with. So let's talk about this a little bit more with this image. And I think there's some fascinating things that I, I studied on it. The intent behind the image really is self-deification, right? This is, this is a man that wants to be worshipped. He's king of Babylon, and now Babylon, we know, has, has done lots of conquering. They've taken over lots of land, lots of regions. Uh, many other kingdoms have fallen to them at this point. And so here's a man, who's he's up on his high horse right now. He doesn't think anything can stop him. And I think there's a little bit of resentment for this dream that he had where God's sending him the message that you're the head of gold, but you're going to be cut off. Amen? And God's told him that another kingdom is going to take over. And I think that he is having a hard time accepting that. And so here he is, uh, self-deification. Um, also, there's some interesting things here. Let's talk about it some more. The, the statue itself, all right? This was, a, this was a huge statue that he built out of gold. If you look at these dimensions, and I'm pretty sure that my calculations are correct on this. I looked through and I did look at some commentaries and stuff to try to piece together. But if I'm correct, and if those commentaries are correct and my resources are correct, this statue is 90 feet tall. 90 feet um, and 9 feet wide. Uh, it doesn't give us the actual thickness of the gold, um, but I, I, I think there's a reasonable case to be made that it at least four and a half feet thick. So all gold. That's a lot of gold. Amen. But just think about this. I mean, 90 feet? You're talking way up there. This is a big statue. He went all out on this. So what does it point out about the king? Well, one Nebuchadnezzar is seeking to elevate himself, right? Daniel told him uh, he was the head of gold. He decided that that isn't good enough. And um, I'm, I'm submitting to you the intent here is assuming that world dominion would change the outcome of the prophecy. In other words, if he can get everyone to bow, unified on the, on the area of worshiping the image, if he can get that unification to happen, I think he believes he can change the outcome of what prophecy was given to him by Daniel. Amen? That's what I see happening here. Um, and so he, herein we find the greatest lie of the world today. I'm going to submit this to you because I, I see it. I hear it all of the time. Create your own destiny. Create your own destiny. He didn't like what the word of God had to say. So he's, he's made this image. What does it represent? What is it symbolic towards about? What does it point out about Nebuchadnezzar's personality? It points out that he thinks he's going to take matters into his own hands and change the outcome. He's taking, he's creating his own destiny. That's what he thinks he's doing. People do this all the time. We're setting up images trying to create our own destiny. We think we're going to change the outcome. Man doesn't like what this says, and we want to try to change the outcome for ourselves. Am I right? I know I'm right. Because I was doing the same thing until I got smacked with con conviction and realized I needed Jesus. That, that you, can't, you can't stop what God has promised in the Word of God from happening. Look at what's happening in Israel today. 
If you don't know, if you have not heard, Israel was attacked by Hamas again. Last night, they counted over 5,000 rockets that were launched into Israel. Um, Hamas, which is a militant, radicalized Islamic group, um, they have declared that this is it. This, it's all or nothing. They're not backing off. Um, also, Israel has always been bound. And why am I mentioning this? Because we've gotten onto this topic of Gentile world dominated, the, 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 the fact that the Jews, according to the word of God, have been under Gentile world overlordship. In other words, we know as, as, as Bible-believing people that Israel is a sovereign nation and that it's a holy land and that there are special people to God. There are chosen people to God, right? We know that. They don't have to go asking permission from the UN to defend their territory. The fact of the matter is, on the political side of this, Netanyahu and, and whoever's in charge in Israel, they have to proceed very cautiously because they still have, we're still in the times of the Gentiles. We talked about that a little bit last week. Um, I got some uh, messages today. You know, I, I have family that are Jewish. I, you know, so this, this is a very big deal. And I told them, we're getting very close to the protective hand of God intervening in the situation with Israel. The politics of the world are not going to, to matter to God when he decides we need to be ready. We need to be, one, praying for the people, but we need to be ready. Um, 50 years, so this is the most violence in Israel in 50 years. 50 is an important number. Um, now, I'm not, let's, don't get me wrong, I don't believe that we can use numerology to try to pinpoint events that are going to happen. Christ can return any minute. We don't need to go plug in special mathematical formulas together to try to figure out when Christ is coming. We don't know, and everybody that does that always ends up being wrong. He can come before the end of this Sunday school class. He can come tomorrow. He can come next week. We don't. Everything's fulfilled that needs to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. That's why we say that doctrine, that, that is the, the return of Christ is imminent. It can happen at any second. But the reason I think that it's important, we, just, we, just, we look at, at it, and I always plug things together. From the time of Christ's crucifixion to the sending of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, 50 days. Amen. In the Bible, we find 50, it sometimes shows up as a number of the fulfillment of God's promise, a number that's associated with that in certain places. So am I saying that because it's been 50 years since? No, but if you look at things like the year of Jubilee, other things that have happened in the Bible with that number 50, it always just stirs me up. It just, I just get, all, I get excited because you know what? I'm ready. Aren't you ready today? I hope there is some significance to it. Because God's people are tired of suffering. And we're ready to see the fulfillment of what God has promised. And we know He's promised a lot uh, to the Jewish people that has not yet been um, fulfilled. And we know that that's going to happen. But that, I just thought that it's interesting because there's so many people today who are trying to 
create their own destiny when what they need to do is realize everything that we need to know has already been told to us. God has a plan for every one of us. Sometimes we 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 picture Nebuchadnezzar didn't like God's plan. He pictured himself being more important than what God had revealed he was going to be. Right? Well, I'm just a truck driver. I'm what God's allowed me to be. Truck driving's how I pay my bills. Preaching the gospel is the calling God's put on my life. Can't have any more anything more important than that. But sometimes people are like, well, I don't feel like I'm doing it. You know, I, we think about our, you know, think about our missionaries or, you know, we've got one. She's a nurse. What has she chosen to do? She's using it for the, for, to, to advance the gospel. Um, there's people that are saying, well, I can't, I, there's, I, you know, I don't, this is what I do. And then God gives them the ability to be financial supporters of getting the gospel out and, and, and promoting the church and things like that. Everyone has an important role, but the most important role that we all have is praying. That's a ministry we all have. Uh, but what people do is they picture themselves, well, I got to be a doctor or a lawyer or an athlete or this or that. And they have these, they, they picture themselves in these self-deifying, important roles. And you know what? We need doctors and lawyers and all these things, but we need God to be the one responsible for helping figure out who needs to be what. Sometimes we don't like what God's made us. Amen? We try to rebel against God because uh, we don't think that where we're at in life is important enough. That's Nebuchadnezzar, and he's rebelled because he's saying this isn't good enough, and he's trying to change his own destiny. We just need to accept the Word of God because whatever God allows us to be, what you know, Jesus, just a carpenter, amen? That's the way the world wanted him to see it. He was the Son of God. Um. Whatever we get to do is our career paths or, you know, whatever family we're born into, all these things that we can't necessarily change, our lives are to be lived to give God glory. And we glorify God in our life. And we can do that wherever God places us, plants us, and puts us and uses us around all people. And if we would think like that, we would find much more personal fulfillment and satisfaction in who we are and where we are because we know that we're serving God and we get a blessing that can't be described in worldly terms because we have a joy in us and we feel the blessing of serving our Lord. Amen? And so it's important to have that perspective. Nebuchadnezzar did not. But there's some other things here that just jump out all over me with this. Nebuchadnezzar shows us this. Man will stop at no expense to exert their own will on the others. Carnal men, the natural man, those that are desiring and lusting after power and after control, there's no expense too great. Consider this. Statue of gold, 90 feet by 9 feet, and let's say it's 4.5 feet thick. Just Consider what I'm saying here. That would be 3,645 cubic feet of gold. It's a lot of gold. Um, okay, let me give you a way of looking at that. That's 4,400,000 pounds of gold. Um, 
Let's say, do you know what gold is per ounce, by the way, right now? I don't remember. I don't look at this stuff. 1500 an ounce, maybe 1400 $1,300, somewhere over $1,000 an ounce. Has been for a while. Let's just say at this time when Nebuchadnezzar built this statue of 4,400,000 pounds of gold that it was only 33 ounces of uh, $33 per ounce. Let's assume $33 an ounce. The cost of his statue would be $2,315,000,000. $2,315,000,000. Now, if you were to look at that in today's valuations, trillions upon trillions of dollars with inflation, right? Preacher, what is your point? The amount he was willing to spend on his image is equal to the size of his ego. <laughs> Amen? It's equal to the size of his ego. But it shows that he was willing to stop at no expense to exert his will on others. Now, I'm going to give you one, and I'm going to use something that's going on in our modern day society to kind of captivate this point, all right? And while this is not necessarily a modern day image of Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not talking about Antichrist stuff here, but I am going to bring something up, and this is kind of how I feel about it. The problem with our current climate change cult, I'm going to just go there, all right? The people bankrolling it have wallets the size of their egos. Amen? And they'll spend any amount of money at the expense of the people to force everyone to worship their idea. So I've seen the similarity there, and I'm, I'm, willing, you know, I'm not saying God tells us to be good stewards with what we've been given us, which means we should take care of our environment. Amen. But what's happening in our country with the fact that I can't afford to put gas in my car anymore and then I can't afford to go to the grocery store and buy groceries for my family anymore because we all have to pay more because of climate change problems when there's really, you know, more scientists that believe it's a lie than believe that it's true. What it is is it's a false image that they've set up and now we're going to comply or else. Where does that carry over at, though? I remember being told churches are the reason COVID is spreading. And they're going to shut them all down. And if they don't comply, or else. It just... I need to pause this for one second. I need some sunglasses for the truck, you know. And then I'm looking on... Look at the can't find the price i get a price check on it and find out three hundred dollars i can't afford three hundred dollar sunglasses where's the twenty dollar rack at you know i might be lucky if i can afford that right uh how about in the clothing store you you know uh any of them i, I typically i use wranglers and shop at tractor supply myself for this reason but your department store whatever i don't know name one Oh, these are good jeans. Yeah, I like these. They look good. They fit me right. You know, $200 for some jeans? That's too much. Um, watches? I like watches, right? You ever looked at the price tag on a watch recently? I saw one that was like, I mean, this wasn't even the stuff they keep in the vault. $3,000 for a watch? I can't afford a $3,000 watch. What is the point I'm getting at? 
You've agreed with me on probably every one of these. I don't think anyone here... And, and if you have it like that, that's fine. You just honor God with the resources He's given you. But everyone here probably thought $300 for sunglasses is too much, right? $200 for jeans is probably too much for you. $3,000 for a watch is probably too much for you, right? Maybe not, I don't know. But um, everyone here has that internal alert system that says that too much walk away from that get something you can afford live within your means right honor god with your resources be good stewards that's too much right there's a point where i'm willing to say that's too much for this but we have people in power today they don't have anything telling them it's too much just like this king, he has no internal system telling him it's too much. You don't need to spend two and a half billion dollars on an image of gold, Nebuchadnezzar. Just like we don't need to spend 10, 15, 20 trillion dollars trying to make everyone live off solar panels and windmills and drive Teslas around, which I can't afford one of those either. Amen. It's a silly thing to look at, just climate change. And we're like, you know, you don't have to agree with them. They just, it's not a big deal. It doesn't affect you. No, it does affect us. Because right now it's climate change. Wait till it's your Christianity. Wait till it's your faith. We have to stand for what's right and stand against these ridiculous just shoving it down our throats. It's just like Nebuchadnezzar. It's never going to be too much for them. Until the whole statue is gold. Does that make sense? The comparison I'm making there? When you give somebody with bad intentions too much power, they just want more. They just want more. They just want more. Let me... Put this in another spiritual perspective. If you open a door for Satan, he's going to want more. He's going to want more. He's going to want more. This is the carnal nature that we live. If you open a door for your flesh, it's going to want more. It's going to want more. Sin is never satisfied. Satan is never satisfied. The enemies of God will never be satisfied. It's the very carnal nature of man. It, a little isn't good enough. We want it all. And we want to keep pursuing until we get all that we want or until we die trying. Let me start to wrap this up here, but um, in, our, in our Daniel, in these first 13 verses, the, as I've mentioned, there's, this is the second of three attempts by man to unify global religions for the cause of pursuing one agenda. The first was the Tower of Babel. Write that down. That's Genesis chapter 11. Everybody was unified. What were they doing? They were building a tower up to the heavens. Amen. And then God, God decided he had to limit man's ability. So he had to scatter the people and change the languages. Because if he didn't, there would be nothing that could stop their imaginations. Right? There would be nothing that could get in their way. And now we live in a day and age where there's a people that want nothing to stand in their way. Right? We'll find later in Daniel a reference to at the end of times how knowledge would increase. Could you do you ever think about what would Jesus what would he say about the current? I mean, he probably wouldn't give a Sunday school lesson on climate change, but what would he say about the current 
conditions. You know, how would you, how would he what 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 would what would Paul say? What would he write in a letter right now to us to instruct us? Amen. I just it's just an amazing thing. But you had the Tower of Babel, Genesis chapter eleven. Here in Daniel three, this is the second attempt by man to unify global religions. Of course, we know how this ends and comes to pass. And then the future one, which we talk to, is Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 13. So write those down. It's worth noting. And then, uh, and then also, look at the order of who was called to the dedication of the, chap- of, of the, of the statue. Look at uh, chap- uh, verse 2 again. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together... Princes first, governors, captains, judges, treasurers, counselors, sheriffs, and rulers. See that? Um, Why did he do that way? I give you a reason. Because if the elites are doing it, come on. If the important people are doing it, then the little people don't have any other choice. Right? If the politicians are doing it, if the princes are doing it, if the governors are doing it, if the captains and the judge listen, if they've got if they've got the legislative branch of government and the executive branch of government and the judicial branch of government in their pocket, they're going to get away with whatever they want to. I got the sheriff right there. He'll lock you up. You don't want to comply. Amen? If the elites are doing it, that's and that is another carnal thing. Uh, it's assumed that if, if the important people support it, then we should too because, well, they know what's best for us, right? They know what's best for their own pocketbook. Amen? Those who did not comply... As we see here in these first 13 chapters, they're going to get brought before the king. So let me tell you this. Are we willing to be brought before council to stand for what's right today? Amen? The whole climate change thing is the easiest thing for me to pick on because it's the most forceful, uh, pressed agenda that I've had in my lifetime, okay? There may be some of you that remember other things similar. I, I don't know. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest uh, world history scholar. But what I know is everyone I've spoken to about it says it's an unprecedented power grab that is unlike anything they've seen in our country, right? So I put it in perspective here because this Nebuchadnezzar, what he does, if it's pointing us to a future event where there's an Antichrist, then I look at the same style of politics that took place in his kingdom, and I say, this is the same style of politics we have in our country right now, in the world right now. We're getting, we are seeing a people amongst us who are ready to comply with the worship of whatever ideology they present to them. As long as the important people are doing it, then that's what we're going to do. And whether it's, it's shoving this stuff in our schools, um, they're after the libraries. It's my job to inform people of this. Uh, the, the, the library commissions, they're being told that they have to put books in there 
strategically so that your child has a likelihood of wandering across something that exposes them to LGBTQ culture or critical race theory or this and that or climate change. And if those libraries are not willing to sign this thing and comply with this, with this national library, so whatever it is that they get their little thing, then they'll be cut off. They won't be recognized in that National Association for Libraries anymore. They're after our children because our children are our future. They're after our schools. It's where our children are at. They're after our liberties and our rights. And if they can take one away, what protects the remaining? Amen? Once they start violating this right, what stops them from violating our, our rights to assemble as a church? Or trying to. And so, what I'm submitting in the lesson this morning as I kind of finish up here is church, we really need to take this seriously. And I'm not saying nobody here does already. We need to accept the fact that the world we're living in is, we're about to see the return of Christ. I'm absolutely convinced. We need to be praying for Israel. We need to be praying for our families, our friends. Uh, witness every chance that you get. I've heard testimonies recently of tracks going out, people giving tracks out at the church, telling people, using the opportunity to witness to people, keep it up, don't back down, be prayed up, be looking and be ready because what's happening all around us in the conformity to um, somebody's golden image, um, the willing of, to be compliant to whatever agenda that's bankrolled, we don't have any ability to defend against that, but the Lord's going to defend us. Amen? It may cost you something to stand for your faith as we move into the coming weeks and months. And if it does... Be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego here in this chapter. They were brought before council because they refused to bow down to the king. So I will give you this guidance. While we are to respect magistrates and authority and things like that, and that's a biblical command to us to pray for our leaders and to pray for our government, the minute we are asked to do something that we know or to accept something that we know, or to give tribute to something that we know is in violation of this. We obey God rather than man. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for the Sunday school lesson. Um, God, help us have the anticipation of the return of our Savior to earth, the rapture of the church. And Lord, we rejoice in knowing that you will get us through hard times that we may face in the coming weeks and months and year, maybe. We don't know when on your timetable it is going to be set for our Savior to come back for us, Lord. But I see and we see similarities of things that were happening with Israel. And we look at the, the decisions of Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom and we see what that is what that kind of points to with the Antichrist at the, during the tribulation period. And then we see the condition of, of man in both time periods, and we see around us today, Lord, unfortunately many 
are in deception and their their hearts have been prepared for compliance into such a rule like an antichrist god and and uh, we don't want to see that happen lord but we know that that day will come so help us lord strengthen us one to be faithful and lord two to appreciate and respect and give honor to the privilege that we have. Right now, we have the privilege of meeting in our church, and we have the freedom to come through our doors on Sunday mornings and have Sunday school class and worship. And, and, and Lord, I, I, I sense with urgency that perhaps the day is coming where we may be more persecuted here just as uh, missionaries overseas are being persecuted, as Christianity around the world is being persecuted. And the reason is, is because the values of the Bible, the freedom and the liberties that's preached to us in Christ is not consistent with the values and the views of, of communists and dictators and, and socialists and those kinds of government structures. Those things are, are against your word, Lord. And so, we're preparing ourselves for those who will be against us. Help us be strong. Help us stand for what's right. Help us do whatever you make possible for us to do to make decisions and to do those things which will glorify you in whatever challenge we face. Give us wisdom as we move forward, Lord. And, um, just help us stay faithful for you, Lord. We can't do it without your Holy Spirit. We cannot do it without you guiding us each and every day. Protect our families. Protect our children, Lord. And um, God, just, just continue to be with us. Comfort us. Give us peace. Give us strength. And walk with us each and every day as we seek to please you, waiting patiently for the return of our Savior. Um, help us lead others to know Christ as Savior before it's everlasting too late. Lord, we pray for the worship service coming up this morning for all that will make it in. We pray for them, those that are traveling down here for church, those that are on the roads, prayer requests that have been mentioned this morning. And uh, God, we just lift all of those needs up to you. We thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today to study your word, even the, the deeper, heavier stuff of your word. And we thank you for the opportunity to look at it, Lord and to be given guidance from you in it, Lord. We thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen.